we're finishing Proverbs today. Yeah. Um, so we're we're reading through the entire scripture. That's what we're here to do. That's what we endeavor to do is to read through the entire Bible from Genesis all the way to Revelation. And so this read and rant is really just a journey where we spend half a Netflix episode a day, half a Netflix episode a day reading through scripture. Um, and, you know, for me, it's as you read through it, you're going to begin to realize that if you just read the scripture in these little pieces, in these you know, in these bite-sized, you know, 20 to 30 minute pieces, you can get through a lot of scripture. Okay. You can get through the whole Bible. And so I'm journeying with you in doing that. I want to see every believer read through the entire scriptures. Um, and so I'm encouraging you all to come and to participate with me in this time where we read together. And then after we're done reading, I'll spend maybe another 20 to 30 minutes reflecting on it. I call it a reflection. I call it a rant, actually. And the reason why I call it a rant is because I have nothing prepared. I don't even know what's going to happen. I'm just going to read. And then I'm just going to just share where the Lord is leading me. This is not a Bible study. This is not an exhaustive study in any way. This is not an exegesis of scripture. This is not an exposition of scripture. This is, I'm not expositing or expostulating the scripture at all. I'm just simply spending time reading the word and just really speaking into what the Lord is speaking into me. Now, is there a place for the reading of scripture? Absolutely. For, sorry, sorry, for the study of scripture? Absolutely. There is a place for the study of scripture. And we do that. We do that in our Patreon community. So if you want to become a part of our Patreon community, where we get to participate in that, we have a Bible study today, actually, on Patreon. And so um, come and join us because we're doing, we're going to continue our Bible study on the church. What does the Bible say about what the church is? Not what, you know, church folks told you about what the church is. And so I want to encourage you to be a part of that and participate in that. Just click the link in the bio or in the profile, or just go to patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Follow me there, become a patron, support what we're doing, and you get to participate in uh, the Bible studies. But this read and rant is really a time where we spend together in reflection. And I'll argue with you that it is critical because I think a lot of believers spend time in studying scripture. Not enough believers spend time just steeping in the presence of God while they read scripture. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to just spend time reading the word of God together. So today we're going to be reading through uh, finishing the book of Proverbs. So I want you to turn there. And what we're going to do is we're going to ask three questions. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? It's the first question we're going to ask. God, what are, what are you revealing concerning yourself? As you read this, I want you to be prayerfully uh, meditating on these three questions. This is just to guide you, to give you a posture for what we want to do today. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? The second question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning people? What are you revealing concerning people? And the third question that I want you to ask is, God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to read his word. And in it, we believe that the Lord will guide us in the truth of who he is, who we are, and who we're called to be in him. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you brought us together. I thank you that you've given us your word. I thank you, Lord, that you've revealed so much about who you are, even in the time that we spent together, Lord, in the reading of your word. And I just pray that today, Lord, that you would give us something new. Lord, encourage us, Lord. Um, help us. <laughs> we need the help of your Holy Spirit um, to help us and to guide us into your character, your heart, your will. Reveal it all to us today, Lord, as we read your word. And we ask that in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Let's get to it. Proverbs 27. And it says this. Do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another man praise you and not your own mouth, a stranger and not your own lips. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's wrath is heavier than both of them. Wrath is cruel and anger a torrent, but who is able to stand before jealousy? Open rebuke is better than love carefully concealed. Hmm. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. A satisfied soul loathes the honeycomb, but to a hungry soul, every bitter thing is sweet. Like a bird that wanders from its nest is a man who wanders from his place. Ointment and perfume delight the heart, and the sweetness of a man's friend gives delight by a hearty counsel. Do not forsake your own friend or your father's friend, nor go to your brother's house in the day of your calamity. Better is a neighbor nearby than a brother far away. My son, be wise and make my heart glad that I may answer him who reproaches me. A prudent man foresees evil and hides himself. The simple pass on and are punished. Take the garment of him who is surety for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he is surety for a seductress. He who blesses his friend with a loud voice rises early in the morning. It will be counted a curse to him. It continued dripping on a very rainy day, and a contentious woman are alike. Whoever restrains her restrains the wind and grasps oil with his right hand. As iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. Whoever keeps a fig tree will eat its fruit, so he who waits on his master will be honored. As in water, face reflects face. So a man's heart reveals the man. Hell and destruction are never full. So the eyes of a man are never satisfied. The refining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold. A man is valued by what others say of him. Though you grind a fool in a mortar with a pestle along with crushed grain, yet his foolishness will not depart from him. Be diligent to know the state of your flocks and attend to your herds. For riches are not forever, nor does a crown endure to all generations. When the hay is removed and the tender grass shows itself and the herbs of the mountains are gathered in, the lambs will provide your clothing and the goats the price of a field. You shall never have enough goat's milk for your food for the food of your household and the nourishment of your maidservants. Proverbs 28. The wicked flee when no one pursues, but the righteous are bold as a lion. Because of the transgressions of a land, many are its princes. But a man, but sorry, but by a man of understanding and knowledge, right will be prolonged. A poor man who oppresses the poor is like driving rain which leaves no food. Those who forsake the law praise the wicked, but such as keep the law contend with them. 
evil men do not understand justice, but those who seek the Lord understand all. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. Whoever keeps the law is discerning, is a discerning son, but a companion of gluttons shames his father. One who increases his possessions by usury and extortion gathers it for him who will pity the poor. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Whoever causes the upright to go astray in an evil way, he himself will fall into his own pit. But the blameless will inherit good. The rich man is wise in his own eyes, but the poor who has understanding searches him out. When the righteous rejoice, there is great glory. But when the wicked arise, men hide themselves. He who covers his sins will not prosper. But whoever confesses and forsakes them will have mercy. Happy is the man who is always reverent, but he who hardens his heart will fall into calamity. Like a roaring lion and a charging bear is a wicked ruler over poor people. A ruler who lacks understanding is a great oppressor, but he who hates covetousness will prolong his days. A man burdened with bloodshed will flee into a pit. Let one help him. Whoever walks blamelessly will be saved, but he who is perverse in his ways will suddenly fall. He who tills his land will have plenty of bread, but he who follows the frivolity will be, will have poverty enough. A faithful man will abound with blessings, but he who hastens to be rich will go will not go unpunished. To show partiality is not good. Because of the piece of bread, a man will transgress. A man with an evil eye hastens after riches and does not consider that poverty will come upon him. He who rebukes a man will find more favor afterwards than he who flatters with the, with the tongue. Whoever robs his father or his mother and says it is no transgression, the same is a companion to a destroyer. He who is of a proud heart stirs up strife, but he who trusts in the Lord will be prospered. He who trusts in his own heart is a fool, but whoever walks wisely will be delivered. He who gives to the poor will not lack, but he who hides his eyes will have many curses. When the wicked arise, men hide themselves, but when they perish, the righteous increase. Mm. Proverbs 29. He who is often rebuked and hardens his neck will suddenly be destroyed, and that without remedy. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice, but when the wicked man rules, the people groan. Whoever loves wisdom makes his father rejoice, but a companion of harlots wastes his wealth. The king establishes the land by justice, but he who receives brides, bribes sorry, overthrows it. A man who flatters his neighbor spreads a net for his feet, but transgression, sorry, by transgression, an evil man is snared, but the righteous sings and rejoices. The righteous considers the cause of the poor, but the wicked does not understand such knowledge. Scoffers set a city aflame, 
but, but a wise man turns away wrath. If a wise man contends with a foolish man, whether the fool rages or laughs, there is no peace. The bloodthirsty hate the blameless, but the upright seek his well-being. A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. If a ruler pays attention to lies, all his servants become wicked. The poor man and the oppressor have this in common. The Lord gives light to the eyes of both. Hmm. The king who judges the poor with truth, his throne will be established forever. The rod and rebuke give wisdom, but a child left to himself brings shame to his mother. When the wicked are multiplied, transgression increases, but the righteous will see their fall. Correct your son and he will give you rest. Yes, he will give the light to your soul. Where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint, but happy is he who keeps the law. A servant will not be corrected by mere words, for though he understands, he will not respond. Do you see a man hasty in his words? Hmm. There is more hope for a fool than for him. He who pampers his servant from childhood will have him as a son in the end. An angry man stirs up strife, and a furious man abounds in transgression. A man's pride will bring him low, but the humble in spirit will retain honor. Whoever is a partner with a thief hates his own life. He swears to tell the truth, but reveals nothing. The fear of man brings a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord shall be safe. Many seek the ruler's favor, but justice for man comes from the Lord. An unjust man is an abomination to the righteous, and he who is upright in the way is an abomination to the wicked. Proverbs 30. The words of Agur, the son of Jekah, his utterance. This man declared to Ethiel, to Ethiel and Ukal. Surely I am more stupid than any man and do not have the understanding of a man. I neither learned wisdom nor have knowledge of the Holy One. Who has ascended into heaven or descended? Who has gathered the wind in his fists? Who has bounded the waters in a garment? Who has established the ends of the earth? What is his name? And what is his son's name, if you know? Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who trust in him. Do not add to his words, lest he rebuke you and, found, and you be found a liar. Two things I request of you. Deprive me before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me, lest I be full and deny you and say, Who is the Lord? Lest I be poor and steal and profane the name of my God. Do not malign a servant of, to his master, lest he curse you and you be found guilty. 
There's a generation that curses its father and does not bless its mother. There's a generation that is pure in its own eyes, yet is not washed from its filthiness. There is a generation. Oh, how lofty are their eyes and their eyelids are lifted up. There is a generation whose teeth are like swords and whose fangs are like knives to devour the poor far from the earth and the needy from among men. The leech has two daughters, give and give. There are three things that are never satisfied. Four never say enough. The grave, the barren womb, the earth that is not satisfied with water, and the fire never says enough. The eye that mocks his father and scorns obedience to his mother, the ravens of the valley will pick it out. The young eagles will eat it. There are three things which are too wonderful for me. Yes, four, which I do not understand. The way of an eagle in the air. The way of a serpent on a rock. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea. And the way of a man with a virgin. This is the way of an adulterous woman. She eats and wipes her mouth and says, I have done no wickedness. For three things, the earth is perturbed. Yes, for four, it cannot bear up. For a servant when he reigns, a fool when he is filled with food, a hateful woman when she is married, and a maidservant who succeeds her mistress. There are four things which are little on the earth, but they are exceedingly wise. The ants are a people not strong yet they prepare food in the summer. The rock badgers are feeble folk. They make their homes in the crags. The locusts have no king, yet they all advance in rank. The spider skillfully grasps with its hands, and it is in king's palaces. There are three things which are majestic in pace. Yes, Four which are stately in walk, a lion, which is mighty among the beasts and does not turn away from any, a greyhound, a male goat also, and a king whose troops are with him. If you have been foolish in exalting yourself, or if you have devised evil, put your hand on your mouth. For as the churning of milk produces butter, the ringing the ringing the no- and ringing the nose produces blood. So the forces of wrath produce strife. Hmm. Proverbs 31. The words of King Lemuel, the utterance which his mother taught him. What, my son? And what, son of my womb? And what, son of my vows, do not give your strength to women, nor your ways to that which destroy kings. It is not for kings, O Lemuel, it is not for kings to drink wine, nor for princes intoxicating drink, lest they drink and forget the law and pervert the justice of all the afflicted. Give strong drink to him who is perishing and wine to those who are bitter of heart. Let him drink and forget his poverty and remember his misery no more. 
open your mouth for the speechless and the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Hmm. Who can find a virtuous wife? For her worth is far above rubies. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. She does him good and not evil all the days of, your, of her life. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. She is like the merchant ships. She brings her food from afar. She also arises while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants. She considers a field and buys it. From her profits, she plants a vineyard. She girds herself with strength and strengthens her arms. She perceives that her merchandise is good and her lamp does not go out by night. She stretches out her hands to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. She is not afraid of snow for her household, for all her household is clothed with scarlet. She makes tapestry for herself. Her clothing is fine linen and purple. Her husband is known in the gates, and he sits among the elders of the land. She makes linen garments and sells them and supplies sashes for the merchants. Strength and honor are her clothing. She shall rejoice in time to come. She opens her mouth with wisdom and her tongue with the law of kindness. She watches all the ways of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel them all. Charm is deceitful and beauty is passing, but a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. The word of God. The word of God. Um, if you have been with us from the gate, you know that we've been journeying through the entire totality of scripture. Um, and the reason why I, f I believe it is important, it's critically important to do so, it's because many people have been led astray, have misinterpreted, misappropriated scripture um, for the sake, you know, to either promote their agenda or to expose, you know, a particular issue or whatever it may be. People have their reasons. However, um, the Bible often has been misappropriated and misused, and it's in part because of a lack of exposure to the totality of text. The primary error, and, I, and I'm just going to throw this out here because it's something that I see common in the church and outside the church as well. People who are for the scriptures and people who are against the scriptures. The primary error, the most common error, maybe not primary, but the most common error that I see is people who interpret or use a particular 
text, a verse, and form an entire idea off of a verse. I'll go even further. People who will take a section of verses and form an entire idea about what the Bible says or what the Bible promotes based off of a section of verses. Or people who will use an entire chapter of the Bible and read that chapter and say, well, this is the idea that this chapter promotes. I'll go even further. Or read an entire book. And they'll read the book, and after they read the book, they say, wow, this is what the Bible promotes. Which I find is a willful ignorance. And and, I'm, and remember what I meant by ignorance. Ignorant Being ignorant doesn't mean you're dumb. Some of the most brilliant and intelligent people are ignorant. Ignorance is a lack of information. Intelligence is the girth and the breadth and the width of information. There are people who have intelligence and still uh, the application of information or the understanding of information or the processing of information. There are people who are intelligent but still can be ignorant. There are plenty of intelligent people out there who just didn't receive insight and didn't know. And because they didn't know, they based their understanding and the processing based off of the limited amount of information that they had. And so what I find often is that some of the most brilliant intelligent people will take a portion of scripture and then they'll say, well, this is what the Bible promotes. And then they'll move on. That comes out of ignorance. That's ignorance, y'all. That's not, it's not that you're not intelligent. It's that you, you made an assertion based off a section of, of scripture. And to me, that's, that's kind of crazy. Um, if you, if you ask me to be honest with you, I think it's kind of crazy. So when somebody takes two verses and they say, the Bible says this and the Bible promotes this, how many stories have you read? You know, you'll, you'll, you'll watch movies and films and, and read stories and you'll see a scene. And then after you see the scene in the story, and it might be an ugly scene, it might be a, you know, a vile, horrific, horrible scene. Can you imagine a person saying, because of that scene, this film promotes that thing. Can you imagine that? Right? You watch Law and Order SVU. Right? I mean, I'm I'm a big Law and Order SVU fan. I I like, you know, cop shows and crime shows. I love that stuff. I'm I'm big on justice, so I love that stuff. But if you watch Law and Order, right, SVU, and you watch a f- section of it, you'll think, "Oh, this show promotes this thing." This show promotes um, crime and violence. But when you read the whole thing and you watch the entire thing, oh, this show is about bringing oppressors to justice, abusers to justice. That's what it's about. I know there are kids listening, so I want to be very careful not to say too much, right, Um, in regards to that. 
but it's all to say that it's, 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 it can be frustrating. I'll say that it can be frustrating when people go, well, this is what the Bible is talking about. The Bible promotes this, the Bible promotes that. Anyway, that's a side note. I'm saying all that to say that we've now closed our reading in, of the book of Proverbs. And I think it's important that I make a mention of a couple things, whatever the time affords me, because this is a rant. Y'all just here to listen to me rant, and I'm just going to share what the Lord has been speaking into my heart about as I've been reading this today, and, and really what the Lord is dealing with me on as I'm reading this. But if you read from the beginning what the book of Proverbs is about, the book of Proverbs speaks into the uh, uh, the book of Proverbs speaks into the character of God. From the beginning, as you read from Proverbs 1 all the way to Proverbs uh, 3, really he goes into a discourse about how wisdom, because wisdom is not just intelligence. Wisdom is applied revelation. Remember, I told you that already. And because wisdom is applied revelation, out of wisdom comes a being and a doing and an acting And it's out of wisdom comes creativity. Out of wisdom comes inspiration. Out of wisdom comes all these things. And so the same word that is used for wisdom is the same word that is used for artistry and artisanship and design and productivity and production. So out of wisdom comes all these things. And so wisdom created the heavens. Wisdom created the universe. Wisdom participated with God. This is an attribute of God, but this is wisdom, which is an intelligence, which participated in the creation of all things. It's wisdom that made all these things. This is when when you look at creation, right? You, you, you see intelligence behind it. You see creativity behind it. When you see the universe and how it operates and how it works, it is, it, it's, 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 it's a beautiful rendition and expression of divine creativity and a and so this is this is it. This is what this is all about. This is what wisdom is all about. This is what creativity is all about. And this is how God expresses himself. And so wisdom is also not just an attribute and an ability, but wisdom is personified. Wisdom says, I was there at the beginning. I was there in creation. I was there when all things were being made and, and all things were being put together. I was there when the waters and the seas were being brought together. I was there. And so wisdom is intelligent, is capable, is able. Wisdom is inspired. And so wisdom really draws into the very system that binds all things together. Wisdom is what holds us together. Wisdom is what holds humanity together. Wisdom is what holds people together. Wisdom is what brings us into unity with God. And yes, we see in Proverbs 8 where it speaks about wisdom, this lady wisdom, this lady wisdom who is accessible to all. Here's the thing about the law. And I've said it before, and I'm going to say it here, and this is important. Pay very, very close attention to what I'm about to say. When we think of the law, we think of the law in legal terms. What is right and what is wrong. When we think of the law 
an infraction against the law is simply seen as sin. And the obedience of the law is seen as worship. So when we look at the law, we kind of think of the law as just this set of rules, this legal system, which, man, makes the law look so small. As a matter of fact, because we have such a small view of the law, we have a really small view of grace. It is actually because we're so small in our view of the law that we think of grace as just this thing that sets us free from the infractions that we make against the law, against the rules. So for those of us who sin and break the rules, we have grace that forgives us of those things. And then we move on, not realizing grace is so much more than that. So our small view of the law gives us a small view of grace, which gives us a small view of God and a small view of what God accomplished and a small view of Jesus and what Jesus accomplished on the cross. There are many who still, even to this day, don't understand the profound implications of Christ, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection. There are many who don't understand the profound implications of that. And it really begins because we have such a small view and perspective of the law. Let me back it up. The law, and this is going to help you understand where I'm going here. I know I only have a couple of minutes, but just stay with me, all right? Only a couple of minutes. When we think of the law, we think of it as rules. Ah, but when the Hebrews thought of the law, they understood it as a system. The best analogy that I have is we have laws that we understand as well as systems that we all get to live in. And we understand the law as a system that we can all thrive in as well. The law, I'm not talking about the law in the United States or the legal system or the law in Russia or the law in wherever it may be in Europe. I'm not talking about that law. I'm talking about natural systemic laws like the law of gravity. The law of gravity exists regardless of whether or not you agree with it. And we're all confined by it. The law of gravity is what allows us to stick on this rock that's called the earth. (laughs) And if it wasn't for gravity, the law of gravity, we'd all float out into space and die. We just float around. It is the law of gravity that causes us to stick to the earth. All right. So when we think of the law, love you too, Andrew. When we think of the law, we have to think of the law in the same way that we think of gravity. It's the very thing that binds things. And there is flourishing in it. The law of magnetism. There is flourishing in it. We think of the law as just some rules to follow, not realizing that the law is a character and embodiment of God and how things work. If you try to defy gravity, you can get yourself into trouble. Okay? I'm sure there's some guys or some ladies out here who played basketball, tried to defy gravity, and you and you you saw what it did to your knee or your leg. Okay? 
Some of you have kids who try to defy gravity. Some of you, you have kids that didn't know the law of gravity and they went and crawled off the side of their bed and bumped their head when they hit the ground. It's, it's, it, you don't get to just say, I, I believe in this or I don't. Whether you believe it in it or not, it's a system. And what is infused in that law is wisdom. Okay? I'm just, I want to try to help you understand this so that way we can bring everything to, hopefully I bring this all together here. Who knows? It's all over the place. Just stay with me. And so wisdom is an element of that system. There is electricity and there's magnetism. I know I'm speaking, I'm maybe the physicists here will understand that. And they coincide with each other. There are electromagnetic forces. As a matter of fact, with electricity, you can create magnetic energy. And out of magnetism, you can create current, electrical currents. They work side by side, hand in hand. Electromagnetism. The law and wisdom, the law and wisdom, the law and wisdom. It's a system. So when he speaks about Lady Wisdom, stay with me for a second. When he speaks about Lady Wisdom and who Lady Wisdom is, Lady Wisdom is speaking into a system, something that goes beyond what we agree with or disagree with, beyond advice, beyond just wise statements and wise sayings, beyond great suggestions, beyond, oh, wow, that's a great idea. Wisdom is a system. And because wisdom is a system, anyone who accesses that system can enjoy the benefits of it. The Hebrews understood this. They understood this. If if we, you know, I always say this, that the most honest, and we'll talk a little bit about this. Um, we'll talk a little bit about this in our Bible study later on today, um, for those of you who are going to engage it. But there are many, if we're going to read the scriptures, and I've said this so many times, that we need to first read it from the perspective of the person who wrote it. You guys always hear me say that when I do Bible study. If you're going to read it, read it from the perspective of the person who wrote it to the people that that person was writing it to. Don't insert your um, culture on it. Don't insert your ideology on it. Don't insert your liberalism on it, or don't insert your conservatism on it. Don't insert your white nationalism on it. Don't insert your black Hebrew Israelite thinking on it. Don't insert any of that on it. Okay. Stop, stop, stop doing that. Okay. Cause that's real small. And it's a very small way of looking at the Bible. Okay. Very, very small. If you want to really look at the Bible for its depth and its breadth, you have to first read it from the perspective of the person who wrote it to the person that that person was writing it to. These were Hebrew people. And you have to understand what the Hebrew perspective of God is and what the Hebrew perspective of wisdom is. Because if you don't do that, you'll find yourself falling into all kinds of other ways of thinking about wisdom and about righteousness and about the law and about everything else. It's Western thinking, side note. It's Western ideology that has oversimplified the law as a legal system. Even the people who are legalistic, they've taken a Roman Greco Euro influenced view and perspective of God 
and imposed it. Legalism comes out of Eurocentric thinking. The East couldn't even understand that because when they when, when, when they spoke about the law, the law was not understood as a legal system. The law was understood, sorry, as, as a legal system, but understood as a natural spiritual system. So the law goes way beyond rules. The law reveals and exposes the heart, the being, the essence, and the character of God. Why is all that important? All that is important because it is by his word that he holds the universe together. Therefore, anyone who partakes and participates in that gets to enjoy the benefit of it. This system is like gravity. You can use it to your benefit or you can use it to your detriment. This is not about heaven and hell, y'all. I want to make sure you understand this. <laughs> this is about how God has created the universe. This is Hebraic. I'm, 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 I'm talking from the perspective of the Hebrews. If, if you don't like it, you don't like it, but I'm just going to speak from the perspective of the Hebrews. This is how God made and created the universe. And this is how he holds things together. And if there's anything broken in the world, it's broken because this law has been broken. The world is screwed up because we break the law. That's it. The world is not screwed up because they break the law. The world is screwed up because we all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Because if you jump off a 10-story building, you probably won't live. Where does wisdom come in all of that? Wisdom comes in all of that because in the law, there's wisdom and through it, you can draw the benefits of actually living in the world that God has created in the system that he's created it. It's not about heaven and hell. That's not where we're at right now. This is about the way that God has created things. Because if we live in a means or through the means of the heart and the character of God, we would see flourishing we would see healing. We would see restoration. We would see deliverance. We would see breakthrough. We would see a world restored. We would see a world renewed. We would see people brought back together. You know, here's what's unfortunate. Is that for many of us, we want salvation just for ourselves. Yes, when we think of salvation, we think of it as a get-out-of-hell-free card. What do I need to do to get out of hell? What do I need to do so that way I know I'm going to heaven? So we're trying to get our get-out-of-hell-free card. What do I need to obey? Just tell me what I need to do. When God intended salvation to not just be personal, but to be cosmic, to be corporate, to bring restoration to all, 
to bring the earth back to order, to bring the universe back to order, to bring things back to order. Hmm. What if living out the salvation of God is you participating with God and bringing renewal right where you are, right where you live? I'm, I'm just taking, I, I know I don't have a lot of time. I just want to make sure everybody understands what I'm about to say next. Because here is the beauty of all of this. You ready for this? Here's the beauty of all of this. Is that this law that he's speaking about, this system, this lady wisdom, all the things we just read, all these wise statements, all these things that people are doing, I want you to understand it from a Hebrew perspective. They are drawing from wisdom. They're drawing from wisdom and they are utilizing the beauty, the grace, the benefits, the things that come out of wisdom. And that's why he uses the contrast because there's the fool and there's the wise. Remember, the fool is wicked. The wise is righteous, again, because righteousness and foolishness do not coincide. And yet this is the distinction between the fool. The fool is not, he's not that he's not intelligent. He's a fool. He's not wise. And so if he's wise, wisdom and righteousness coincide. Now look at this. This is beautiful. And I love this, this part of the story because it, it should encourage some of us today as we're even navigating to this day. Is the beauty of Proverbs 31. And I don't have a lot of time. I'm ranting, y'all. I'm ranting. I'm all over the place. Who knows? Maybe you'll get something out of this. I'll post this later on Patreon. Hopefully you get something out of this. This will be on the podcast as well. You know, eventually. Just stay with me here for a second, okay? Stay with me here. If wisdom is the system that by doing a lot of the things that we see in Proverbs, Anyone who does it reveals that they're accessing this wisdom. And this wisdom being the heart and the character, the creativity of God. This wisdom is one that comes out of God. This wisdom that is personified, intelligent in and of itself, that when you do these things, you're accessing the wisdom, accessing the wisdom. And anyone who isn't doing these things, they're falling on the other side of that unrighteousness, justice being attained through now the opposite, that wickedness leads to death, to destruction, all this. This is the system that those who are accessing it, they're wise. They get to see a flourishing life. Those who are wicked, they don't get to experience this life that's in abundance, this flourishing life. And so there are those who are accessing, those who are not, those who are accessing. Who gets to access this? The Hebrews, you would have said, are the ones who know this and they understand this and they have this view of wisdom, this lady wisdom, this system. You would say, well, the Hebrews, they, they would see themselves as the ones who have access to it. But here's what's beautiful about this. Proverbs 31 which is included in this Hebrew 
book of wisdom, the things that must be done or the things that can be done to access this wisdom, these words in this last chapter are written by a pagan king. Which I think is beautiful because this speaks into the reality that this divine wisdom, the beauty, the flourishing, the blessing that comes from wisdom was not exclusive to the Hebrew people or to the Israelites. This is a pagan king writing about what his mother taught him as he tapped into and accessed the wisdom, King Lemuel. So therefore now, wisdom and righteousness, this is the beauty of what this says. This speaks into the reality that wisdom and righteousness is accessible to all people, regardless of whether they're Hebrew or whether they're Gentile, whether they're Jewish, black, white, whatever they may be doesn't matter because it's accessible to them all. This pagan king gets a chapter in a divine book. (laughs) We think we have to wait until the New Testament to hear the words of a Gentile. (laughs) But even in the book of Proverbs, the Proverbs wasn't completely written by Solomon. But we see a pagan king. And when he speaks about the embodiment of Lady Wisdom, he speaks of what his mother taught him. And his mother, giving him these words, he now shares these words and puts them down on paper, inscribes them, And these words were words, oh my goodness, I'm out of time. And these words were words that were recited, repeated over and over again by not women, but the men. Little history here. The men would actually recite this chapter, Proverbs 31. And they would incite, they would recite this chapter to um, to the women. The men would line up, and then the women would be there. And it was the way that they would use this chapter. They used Proverbs thirty one not to shame the women, but they used Proverbs thirty one to celebrate the women and to celebrate who they were. And so the Hebrew men had to memorize. A pagan king's chapter or proverb, and to use that to encourage and to celebrate the Hebrew women. There was a pagan man who got to tap into the grace, the righteousness, the wisdom that Lady Wisdom had. Meaning now it wasn't exclusive to just the Hebrews. It was available to everyone and to anyone. 
So let me just address the elephant in the room. And who knows, maybe we'll do a Bible study on another day. But really, I wanted to encourage you all before I say my last thing, but I wanted to encourage you all that when we read Proverbs, let's be, let's, we should be reminded that the beauty, the excellence, and the flourishing of God in the life of his people is accessible to everyone. It's not exclusive to anyone but accessible to everyone. That's the one thing that I'm encouraged by today as I'm reading this. And it's, it's a beautiful reminder for me because often we can, especially as believers, we can feel like, oh, well, you know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I, I have the grace and I'm, I'm blessed and I'm highly favored. But that is accessible to all. And salvation should not just be individual. Salvation should be corporate. But I do want to address an elephant in the room. And I felt like, you know what, let me just throw this out there. I'm going to throw this out there just because um, I find that Proverbs 31 is one of the most uh, I'm going to sound, I'm going to oversay, speak this, but one of the most misappropriated <laughs> um, chapters in the Bible. I grew up thinking that Proverbs 31 was about a woman. And it's not to say that it doesn't give a good line for a, a good, a good um, guideline for how a woman should live. It's not to say that at all. But we often read Proverbs 31 as if it is for a woman. And what I've seen is that we have, you know, we have Proverbs 31 movements and I, you might be one of them. I, I'm sorry. I, I don't want to, get anybody upset. I don't want to upset anyone. Okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to upset anybody, but I just want to make sure I throw this out there. You've probably seen Proverbs 31 conferences. And usually what they do is they tell you, this is about a virtuous wife. This is the kind of woman you need to be. And if you become that kind of woman, then you're going to be the wife that a man needs to find. For a man that findeth the wife, findeth the good thing. Are y'all, can y'all give me like 10 minutes? I'm sorry. I know I'm over time, but I just want to make sure I, I, I get this out there. Okay. I want to make sure I get this to you. Okay. Hmm. Yes. A man that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. So ladies, you got to be found. Ladies, get yourselves together. Put yourself together. Get yourself Right so that you can be found by that man who needs to find you. That's whack. Yes, a man that findeth a wife findeth a good thing. But the centrality of your life is not to be affirmed by a man, to be found by a man, to be chosen by a man. You want to know why? Because you were found by Christ. You were found by God, chosen by God. He's already chosen you and affirmed you. He loves you more than anything in the world. So a man that findeth the wife findeth the good thing. There's a toxicity to that. This whole man that findeth the wife findeth the good thing leaves women preparing themselves for men and leaves no room for men to seek to find the grace 
the sanctification that they need themselves from the Holy Spirit. Man that findeth a wife, findeth a good thing. The problem with Proverbs 31 that I see is that we generally use this as a scripture and as a text to teach women what they ought to do in order to be found by a man. Am I lying? Am I lying, y'all? I'm sorry. I'm, I know I'm live, so I just want to make sure I throw that out there. So what we do is we create a toxic culture in the church where women who aren't married are second-class women because you're not a full woman until you are married. And you're not, you know, you you haven't made it yet until you're married and you got five kids. Which does which is antithetical to the gospel and antithetical to the message of Jesus Christ. Because if it took me being married to a man in order to be considered a person or to be considered a person of renown or of value or of dignity, if it took that, then what Christ did on the cross wasn't enough. If it takes me being married to a man to be considered fully woman among these people, then what Christ did on the cross isn't enough. So we don't live out of the gospel. We don't live out of the grace. We live out of this overly simplified, male-dominated, chauvinistic theology that does not align with the scripture. But we will superimpose our chauvinism. We will superimpose our ideology and we'll superimpose it on the scripture and say, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies, the heart of her husband, safely trust in her. So we're teaching her then that, well, you know, when you get all these things together, lady, then you'll find that husband and you will be the virtuous wife and you'll finally be the Proverbs 31 woman that you were called to be. How sad. That not only do we oppress the women in our church, do we demean them and do we belittle them? But we do a disservice to the men in the church as well. Because now we teach and we condition the men in the church to believe that the woman ought to perform for them, prove themselves worthy to them, prove themselves valuable to them. And it's for this reason that there are a lot of men who miss out on a lot of virtuous women and good women. And a lot of women find themselves in a position of shame and guilt and oppression because they're either not married or do not have kids. And so now, when we should be complete and full in Christ, to be fully affirmed by God and who he's called us to be, 
to be esteemed by God, to know that God has called them that you are a daughter of the most high God. You are a daughter of the king. Instead of that, no, no, we have women in the church who feel less than, who don't feel valued because the church has taught us and imposed these male chauvinistic ideas onto the scripture. And yet Proverbs 31 was not about any of that. If you recall, and this is just a hint, we'll come back to it another day because this is what happens when you don't read the full scripture. This is what happens when you don't read the full text. You misappropriate these things. I can go all day on this one because um, there's, anyway, I can go all day on that. And I, I, I'm not going to because we're way at it. We're way over time. I want to just simply say this to get to my point. It's, it shouldn't surprise you. At the beginning, we see a father, Solomon, speaking to his son, speaking about this woman that's called wisdom, Lady Wisdom. It shouldn't surprise you that when we go to Proverbs 9, Proverbs 9, yes, I believe Proverbs 9, when it speaks about this, this woman, this contentious woman, I hinted to this, that it's not speaking about a specific woman, but more about a people. And this husband who has to deal with this contentious woman. Huh? And as we read through the text, what ought this woman to do comes out of the life of how not just women live, but how men and women live together. And so it starts with a father speaking to a son. And I love this part. It starts with a Hebrew father speaking to his Hebrew son. And it ends with a pagan woman speaking to her pagan son. A Hebrew father speaking to a Hebrew son about lady wisdom. And now pagan woman who is the embodiment of wisdom to a pagan son who's now writing it into words and declaring it to a Hebrew people. This is, this is the reconciliation of humanity, the reconciliation of all mankind. This is God reconciling all men to himself, bringing all men to unity. I don't have enough time. I don't have enough time. I know I'm ranting. So you're putting up with it. I apologize. If you didn't get anything, you didn't get anything. If you got something, praise the Lord for that. But I want to make sure you see where my mind is at and why I'm so encouraged even in this moment. Because when we read Proverbs 31, we're not reading about a woman. We're reading about a people. We're reading about a people. And this people is a people who alone could never be this. This is not a metric in a measure for what you ought to do in order to get married 
or for how you ought to live in order. These are all good things that you can tap from and draw from in order to be a virtuous person because you're drawing from lady wisdom. But this is deeper than that. This is about a woman restored. Proverbs 9 is about a woman broken. Proverbs, we go through 10 all the way to 30 and then, well, to 29. And then Proverbs 31 is about a woman restored. The wife who now is virtuous. And everything that we talked about as we read through the text, stay with me, family. All the stuff we talked about, Remember I told you, and this is is where it all comes together and I'm done. I got to go. I'm done. Remember I told you that there are consistent themes all throughout Proverbs. You see things repeated over and over again. Remember that? I I think you guys heard me say that in in our previous readings. If you didn't catch the readings, catch it on on Patreon. If you weren't with us live, go on Patreon. I've made it available to everyone. So just go on Patreon. You can get those if you missed them. But I said to you guys before that these are categories. There, there are certain categories of statements that you see written over and over again that come over and over again, right? Proverbs 31 is the culmination of all that. Every category is here. She opens her mouth with wisdom and on her tongue is the law of kindness. She watches over the way of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children rise up and call her blessed, her husband also, and he praises her. Many daughters have done well, but you excel in them all. These are all her hand. She extends her hand to the poor. Yes, she reaches out her hands to the needy. This is all the Proverbs brought into all the categories. You can literally take these statements in Proverbs 31 and every proverb that you've read up to this point can fall into one of these categories in the in the explanation and the description of a virtuous woman, which is why this is the one that was memorized, not by the women, but by the men to celebrate the women. And it was written in anticipation for what God was doing in his people because the virtuous wife, the bride of Christ is the children of Israel. And what this represents was how the law was to be lived out. The children of Israel were the bride of Christ. This is what the children of Israel were to be and to do. The heart of her husband safely trusts her, so he will have no lack of gain. This is who they were. She seeks wool and flax and willingly works with her hands. That's the children of Israel. She is like the merchant ships. Yes, she brings her food from afar. This is the children of Israel. She also rises when, while it is yet night and provides food for her household and a portion for her maidservants, the children of Israel. For the one guy who said that this promotes slavery, it's because you don't, understand, you don't know who a maidservant is and you don't even know who this text is talking about. She considers a field and buys it and her profits she plants a vineyard. This is the children of Israel. 
She stretches out her hand to the distaff and her hand holds the spindle. The children of Israel, this is what it meant to be a child of Israel. This is what it meant to be the children of Israel. And yet they were not this. And yet this is what they celebrated and what they anticipated because there was a husband who was going to come who would restore them and to make the children of Israel become this. That's what they were anticipating. And this is what they were praying about. And this is what they were iterating over and over and over again. So today, we don't shame people with Proverbs 31. We don't even shame them with the Proverbs. We tell them that this is accessible to all, no matter who you are. Charm is deceitful, beauty is passing. But a woman who fears the Lord, she shall be praised. This is for all of us. Because the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Father, I thank you, Lord, as we engage with you today, Lord. I just, Lord, thank you that you, you're encouraging me even in this moment. Um, I pray, Lord, that we'd be reminded, Lord, of the marriage supper. Lord, we'd be reminded what a beautiful image that you loved us before we loved you. We, you, you, <laughs> uh, Father, gave your life for us. You said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself for her. Father, I just thank you that Lord, you're revealing so much to us, even in this moment, Lord, even through the reading of Proverbs, Lord, you're revealing to us the work, the, the salvific work that you've done in the lives of your people. Lord, we don't see it yet, but we believe in it and we anticipate in it. And we know that it is to come just as these people who would read these verses and these chapters and and repeat them and recite them over and over again, Lord. That they anticipated, we anticipate it. Lord, we love you. We thank you. And we pray that we'll be encouraged once more as we return again. And we say that in your name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. I love y'all.